Hey everybody. Welcome back to the college football uncensored podcast brought to you by Saturday down South. I'm your host Tyler Huck. And with me as always is a guy I know named Chris, Chris, how are we doing today? Oh, Tyler had a great weekend. Um, picked up some new hobbies and yeah. mailing addresses. It's like, I mean, just had a good, what'd you do? Did you have a fun weekend? You know, as fun as I can have right now on a weekend with a seven-week-old, uh, yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. I got to go to the pool. That was nice. That was about the extent of it. That's fun. It was really yeah. hot, huh? Is Adam well, in here right now? Adam, Adam's in here right now, right? Adam is in here. Do you not see him? He's. I, I didn't him. know if he could hear us. I don't know if it was like a green room type situation. No, I can hear you guys. So I'll jump in if I'm supposed to. I was, I was waiting to be introduced. <laughs> what an intro show, Adam. I'll, uh, what is an Adam guy here? All right, uh, next up, we, I, I we've went got to Alan, Alan too, Spencer. But, <laughs> well, Paul Feinbaum has called me Adam Smith when I was on the show, so uh, so we can go with that. We can go with my real name. I got called Alan Spencer by my neighbor the other day, so uh, it, call me whatever. As long as it's an A and an S, I'll, I'll respond. Roll tab. Um, all right, listen, so debated on doing this, we're just, I'm just going to do it. And I, uh, and I'm going to address this one time. And just because this is not to like, we don't like to get involved in our personal lives here at all. Um, things have not been great over here, Tyler, as he smirks through the whole thing. Um, so I'm just going to say this so the listeners don't ask this question repeatedly through the season for my own, like, like literal emotional well-being. And I'm not making a joke when I say that. And, and all I'm going to say is that we are no longer an Oregon State podcast. And I hope all of you know what that means. And it's the last time we're going to talk about it. So please don't message me any Corgi videos. Sco Ducks. We're, we're a pure Oregon Ducks podcast now. That's all. It's everything is fine. We're gonna have a fantastic football season, unless Bama goes eight and four. All right, let's get into it then. Let's do it. Can I just say first that I just think that if we're gonna be a, any sort of Pac-12 podcast, then uh, the Colorado Buffaloes don't get enough love. I like Colorado. That's fair. Great state. Utah. Was, Utah is a fun state. I lived there for a while. That wasn't the point of what I was doing at all, Adam. But that's yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> um, yeah. No. I mean, like the Pac-12 has like fun places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the people involved from what I, what I know, uh, for the most part are, are, are not, I mean, you know, they're not as great as people in the SEC. I'll just say, it. <laughs> um, yeah, Arizona state. Like I, I really expect a lot more out of Arizona state. I didn't see that. I've heard some good things about Arizona, but I don't know. I mean, uh, so you're not- obviously very packed in since you're wearing a tank top right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful climate out here. So, uh, True. you know, we rock, but we're, but I'm rocking the Piggly Wiggly tank tops. So yeah, show, the, show an, the audience. That's an SEC. Uh, there it is. Boom. An SEC staple. Dare I say? We're on YouTube now, so people can see that. Oh, we go. gotta put that together tonight too, huh? I forgot about that. Good. <laughs> well, obviously, we have Mr. Adam Spencer here on the podcast. We are previewing Missouri today. We also thought we'd throw in Kentucky because. Truth be told, uh, it's obviously a two-team race, I think, in, in most people's minds in the SEC East on third place in the <laughs> in, yeah. in the uh, in the division. Um, these two teams, they have the same exact win total expectancy um, oh, yeah. in Vegas. Well, hold on, real quick, seven. real quick. So I got similar. confused when you said that for a second, and and like you you are a great co-host, love you to death. I've host, rarely host. been. Yeah, my bad. Um, 
rarely been more disappointed in someone than earlier today. When I said, who's the other team we should do? And you said, why don't we do Mizzou Vandy? And tough. just an electric episode would ensue. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to so, talk about the Pythagorean theorem guys. Yep. So Maybe I think a plus a squared plus B squared equals C squared. Is that what that is? I have no, no idea. idea. Just, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, let's stop the math. Let's get into the teams here. Um, let's start with Missouri. Last year, five and five. Obviously, this is a program that is under construction. You can see where Eli Drinkwitz wants, wants to take the team. Uh, recruiting seems to be ticking up here for the future classes. Um, it seemed like last year, uh, and and Adam, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but it, it seemed like because of the shortened um, spring with COVID and being uh, Drinkwood's first year, it seemed like they, he didn't really get to run what he would typically run in his offense. It seemed like he maybe catered to what they had on the roster, maybe did some things that they did the previous year to try to just make it a, at least a reasonable exchange due to COVID. And it helped them because I think they outperformed what a lot of people thought they would do last year. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. But I think like the the lack of spring practices like really hurt him because like they started Sean Robinson at oh, quarterback yeah. the the first two games and like nothing against Sean Robinson, but like I think we, we can get into this later. But here's my take on Connor Bazelak. I think he can be a first round pick, not this next draft, but at what 2023? At what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Sean Robinson might be a, a decent first round pick at, or a decent NFL draft pick at uh, safety at some point. He's he made some plays last year. You know, he moved over <laughs> to the defensive side and he he came in and he made some big plays. So you know, uh, you know, he's he stayed. He didn't transfer. So kudos to Sean Robinson for that. He's uh, he's looking good. And uh, you know, but I don't think that they would have started him last year in week one and week two, if, uh, if they'd had the full spring session, because I think uh, Drinkwitz would have been able to see, Hey, like Bazelak's going to run my offense better. He's going to give us better options at this. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, uh, that not having that and not having like a full fall camp really hurt in that regard. And, and then to your point too, like he, he tried to squeeze some players into roles that like, maybe they're not uh, the best right. at like, Jalen Knox, uh, who's now at Ole Miss, you know, I think he's going to be great at Ole Miss, but like uh, Drinkwitz had him in the role that I think is going to be filled by uh, Mookie Cooper this year is nice. like sort of like a Kadarius Tony type. I think that's what they're going for. I'm not going to say like he's going to be as good as Kadarius Tony, but I think Mookie Cooper, uh, Kadarius Tony, that's what they kind of want from him. And uh, so, you know, we'll see how he uses him this year, but I I'm just really excited that they had a full spring because I think that's really going to help the offense right out of the gates. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was an exciting last year before we get to this year, uh, Missouri beat LSU, uh, they beat Kentucky and Arkansas, which were, you know, I would say Kentucky was kind of on par with Missouri and then Arkansas, you know, you got a couple first year, um, head coaches. I mean, it's good to, to win that battle, but of course on the bad side, you know, the five losses they had were by an average of 24 points, including some ugly losses to Tennessee and Mississippi state. So should be interesting. Oh, coming into year two. That was tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was like week two though. I think. Yeah. Like, that was I think, Basil that came in that game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think if they played that game like week six or seven, I think they would have won that one, but like, yeah, you got to play who's in front of you that week, and uh, they got their butts kicked by. Oh wait, this is uncensored. I can say ass, right? 
Oh, you can yeah. say whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Garrett fucking Garantano beat them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. let's start with Basilac because it's it's always nice to come into a season having knowing, you know, locked in who your starter is. Um he he looked good, you know, to start his career. His first start was against LSU, threw for four hundred and six yards, four touchdowns. Um come to find out LSU had like a historically bad defense. So yeah, okay. the rest of can, I stop, can I stop you right there? Because that is that is not a debate. That is such a triggering phrase for me when people say historically oh, bad yeah. in <laughs> response to every single time Mizzou wins a game. The, okay, that's the fair. other team is at a historic low point. Like they were the they were ranked very last in the entire country in pass defense. Yeah, yeah but still, like, like yeah. every time, every time, so Mizzou beat South Carolina last year. They're like, oh, well, we're at a historic low point in, in our. <laughs> well, but to Tennessee, be fair, you guys aren't. Them, like, you guys aren't from the ago. south, so it's like well, I don't even know why you're here. and you're in the east, which I feel like we don't talk about enough. You know, gonna, like fans online don't. For now. I'm, I'm kidding. I might leave this podcast, <laughs> but like, you know, now LSU has a historically bad defense, which I mean, they did, but like, <laughs> like every single, like, but like historically bad for, for them, like, yeah, yeah. they're still like, okay. not like, terrible. What Adam is, is doing right now is I, I'm, I love watching this happen because it's so honest and like, I, you know, I like Mizzou. Like my best friend is a Mizzou fan. We, we used to go to Mizzou games all the time, but like, there's not a team in this conference that gets routinely shit on more than Missouri. Like, like dis, dismissed, disrespected, whatever. Like, I think it's part of it because it's like geography and also because the stadium and there's rocks and it always seems like a nap is happening. It's a 12 o'clock game. The stadium is good. It's not. I like the stadium. Yeah, I'm it's defending you right now, but don't pick, don't pick out the bad <laughs> points. But like, bottom line, I mean, you're talking about coming into the SEC the first year, we've talked about this before, they lost all five starting offensive linemen and the six starting offensive linemen who replaced one in the preseason. Like, overcoming a lot of odds, they have a terrible first year. They win the East two out of their first three years. I've, I've never understood the, the disdain for, for Mizzou or just, like, dismissive attitude for Mizzou. Thank you. You're welcome. But That's for real, LSU man. had a fucking terrible defense. So it's also they call a spade <laughs> yeah. a spade. Yeah. Yes. But- Okay, historically, maybe that was bad. that was a bad word. I'm sorry, Adam. I didn't know this was going to trigger you like this. Yeah, we don't like uh, history. Yeah. But bottom line is, through th- that was a fantastic game and a, f- a fantastic first start for Bazelak. After that, he only threw three touchdowns the rest of the season. So yeah, how did that happen? Uh, that happened because Larry Roundtree was on the roster. Like the the passing game got him down the field, and then it's just like, okay, Larry, do your thing. So uh, you know, he like he is the kind of back that he just thrives in those goal line situations and, and they have talent on the offensive line. Like they can mm-hmm. move some guys around. They have a lot of those guys coming back this year. I mean, they don't have Larry Roundtree coming back, obviously, which is Are you sure? perhaps the biggest loss. Oh yeah. I watched uh, some preseason NFL action the other day because uh, I got to see my boy Chase Daniel handing off to Larry Roundtree and for the Los Angeles Chargers who might favorite team now. I don't know. They have, they seem to like those Mizzou guys. Moved on from Denver pretty quickly. I just, I mean, I, I, I don't mean, like Vic Fangio. I don't like Vic Fangio. He always is so mean. Like he doesn't say anything. I say like I sound like Drew's like mom or something. But like you do. Like, he's just so mean to my boy. I just um, take him off the field and put him with a different team where uh, he'll be appreciated for what he does. Such a millennial mom. You you bring up the point. I, like I was gonna actually ask is. 
last year with Basilac, like you said, like it was kind of like in between the twenties, like that was kind of the catalyst for the offense. Right. And then Larry Roundtree, and is it round with a D? No D. Or, no I, know, D. I know it's like one of your biggest pet peeves. Um, <laughs> but like well, Larry Roundtree. My new pet peeve is people who say drink a wits instead of drink wits. Oh. Like watch, watch the SEC. Noted. Roman Harper does it. And I love Roman Harper, but he calls him drink a wits every time. And I call him, I call him drink tree. Larry drink tree. Larry so, drink tree. There you same go. thing. But like but that last year, it kind of seemed like at times when, when Mizzou was like rolling and things were going well. So not the Tennessee game that, that they were kind of able to beat you, you know, like a pick your poison, like, like, through the air? Do you want to like on the ground? Like whatever. Like they, they were like, they could do a lot of things as a team and they could beat you in a lot of ways. I think um, throughout the season, are we going to see more of that this year? Or are we going to look to like more of a consistent passing game now that Basilac's not a true freshman? Yeah. So, so yeah, like you said, I, uh, Tyler, you mentioned the stats from the LSU game uh, for passing when Basilac had like more than half of his touchdowns in the year, but in the Kentucky game when they beat Kentucky, I think Roundtree carried it like 40 times or something like that. Like he was a machine in that game. So like they were just able to beat teams a lot of different ways. And, uh, and, and like, that was fine. But uh, like you said, Marler, you know, the passing game was between the twenties last year. Well, like that's the, everything gets tighter. The windows get tighter in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Like the, the defense has, you know, it seems like they're all over the place because there's less field to defend. No, so, I know uh, how football uh, works. I got yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, so once you cross the goal line, you're awarded six, <laughs> six points, and uh, <laughs> you want to try to rack up as many of the. But yeah, so so T learns those like once they dial in zone plays, and once they get like that part of the game worked out, which I think spring practices and a full fall camp will really help. I do think we're going to see the passing game sort of carry right. the way more, especially since the new feature back Tyler Beatty. He's more of a pass catching threat anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I think that this is going to be a big year for Bazelak in the passing game. Yeah. What have been the reports on Bazelak through spring and you know starting out here in fall camp? Yeah, I think he's been solid. Uh, uh, he's you know not. Uh, I think they're they're not trying to blow too much smoke up his ass or anything, but he's uh, he's doing good and uh, he's got some new receivers to work with and. Uh, I mean, Mookie Cooper is out for a couple of weeks with an injury. They just announced today. Jay Macklin's out for a few weeks with a broken forearm. So you got another Jay Macklin. Yeah, yeah. Let's so go. watch out for him. But, Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, big big things are expected from him. I mean, love that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, they those guys could be back for week one. If not, they'll probably be back for like week two or three. Um, so they'll be back. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that Basilac's having a solid fall camp and uh, you know, there's no reason to expect that he can't take like a big step forward this year. I think, you know, especially in terms of putting the ball in the end zone. Right. So B- Beatty actually, he's, he's pretty good. I mean, he's been there. He's, been, he's, he's waited for three years to be the starter. Uh, so he's a senior now, uh, but he has averaged uh, five yards per carry last year. He only got 48 attempts, but um, you know, like you said, I think his strength is catching the ball to the backfield um so talk a little bit about him and then also missouri fans probably know the name elijah young but a lot of people outside of missouri probably don't know he was the gatorade player of the year in tennessee coming out of high school so what type of role will he fill for the offense and and who do you think makes the bigger impact by the season's end yeah i mean i think that that Beatty has played his role really well um you know being that second back and uh i think you know a guy like him 
is going to have a role in the NFL because like those are the kind of backs that you like everybody's trying to find the next Alvin right. Kamara and uh, and like you know I'm not comparing those two but like you know that's the sort of style that Beatty plays so like I think that he's like he he's it's going to be interesting to see if he can uh, carry a full load but like they're not going to give him like like 300 carries like they did with Roundtree you know like so that's where Elijah Young comes in to your point you know he, he'll come in for a series like probably two or three series a game depending on how things are going and just like and just work in the offense that way just take some of the pressure off of uh Beatty you know maybe after a long run Young comes in for a couple plays and uh and just spells him a little bit because uh you know I don't think that Beatty is a Larry Roundtree type feature back but I don't think he needs to be because uh you know, the way the game's going and uh and uh, yeah I'm excited to see what Elijah Young brings to the table though because also have Dawson uh, behind him who who gets some carries every now and then and always seems to run pretty well. So uh, I think that they've got some guys they can use there. But, uh, yeah, Beatty is probably going to be the – he'll probably have a career high in carries and, uh, and uh, receptions this year for sure. So, like, there's obviously – I feel like the answer is going to be Mookie Cooper. But who is the breakout player? Like I, I, the MVP, you could argue oh, if it's Basilak, it might be something like, like, like Beatty as well. But like the breakout player from Mizzou, I feel like is much more interesting because like the MVP will be, no offense, probably just a very steady, solid, uh, slightly above average performance. Like after what we saw, at least from Basilak in year one, like Mookie Cooper, is he going to be like just, an, is he going to be something like, um, DGB or is it like a Macklin situation? Like, are they expecting those kind of things out of him? Cause he wasn't that kind of recruit, but he's a very, very talented football player. Yeah. I mean, I made the, uh, the Kadarius Tony mm-hmm. uh, comparison earlier in like, like he's going to, he's going to return some kicks, some punts probably too. Uh, so, you know, I think he's going to impact the ball a lot of ways and, but they're just going to find creative ways to get him the ball in space. And, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily even think that he's going to be the best receiver though. Cause, uh, I think Kiki Chisholm is a guy that uh, that a lot of SEC fans don't know, but he led the Tigers in receiving last year, and uh, he he really seemed to have a chemistry with Basilak, and uh, he was a transfer from like a D two or D three school. It's Angelo State. I don't know if that's D two or D three. Powerhouse. But, uh, yeah. Right. So so he comes in, and you know he's pretty solid. So I think that he could be the breakout player. Honestly, I think that uh, it's possible that we as SEC fans in general, just know that name by the end of the year, he could, he could have top 10 SEC receiver type numbers by the time all is said and done. But, you know, when you have a guy like Cooper working underneath him too, like there's going to be plenty, plenty of opportunities for everybody to go around. Yeah. And Drinkwitz is, he's, his offense is kind of known for that quick ass game, uh, which is where I think, um, you know, Mookie Cooper, especially he, I, I'm guessing considering you said he's kind of filling in, and like a Tony role, is he projected to be the slot, like a slot guy? Yeah, you know how uh, you'd see the the motion guy, and there was Jalen Knox last year. I think that we're gonna see that a lot from Mookie Cooper. He's gonna, uh, you know, he's gonna be going in motion. He's gonna be doing those long loops behind the running back, and yep. uh, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and I think that that's a role that he's really going to succeed in because uh, you know I think that there's there's going to be plenty of opportunities to get him the ball. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that Jalen Knox just wasn't quite right for that role, but Mookie Cooper has more uh, like lateral speed and uh, 
change of direction ability. And, uh, you know, I think Jalen Knox is going to do fine. I mean, I think he's not going to be Elijah Moore in Ole Miss's offense, but he's going to take some of that production. And I think he's going to have a great year too. It's just Drinkwitz's system wasn't, uh, the best fit for him. And, uh, it's definitely like tailored to a guy like Mookie Cooper, I believe. It's, it's amazing too. Like you brought up like the specifics of how to get that person involved in the offense, like that specific receiver. Cause like it used to be like, you know, back when I was a kid, you said your star receivers on the outside and whoever's in the slot was going over the middle. Right. It's usually like a, a smaller guy. So it's been amazing watching people like Lane Kiffin and, and, uh, and Sark and, and obviously guys like Eli Drinkwitz um, mm-hmm. tree uh, figure out how to get players open and scheme them like that. When you talk about like the, not just the new coaches, right. Cause I, I feel like we know the top, one through four, maybe coaches in the SEC. Where do you think Drinkwitz like realistically sits uh, or stands and for the like top coaches in the SEC? Because last year we saw each coach have a, a signature win year one, right? I don't think there was a more consistent coach in the SEC for at least from a newcomer standpoint than than Drinkwitz. Yeah, I mean, well, the the popular thing to do in rankings is, uh, you know, to if you don't know anything about Mizzou, which a lot of SEC people don't, you just put whoever the Mizzou person or team that you're ranking, ten to twelve. You just stick them at ten yeah, to twelve. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's that's fine. You know, it, spell the name wrong, throw it up. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, the I think uh, I think Drinkwitz is closer to right in the middle of seven or eight. Um, you know, like you said, the top four are pretty right well known. Um, even the top five, I think you can slide uh, Dan Mullen in there if, if he wasn't one of the top four that you had. Um, but uh, don't you know, put that I, on me. I'm not. I don't think that my mentions. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, you know Drinkwitz is right behind there, and obviously he doesn't have the body of work of somebody like a Mike Leach. He doesn't have the body of work of you know some of these other guys. But you know the the things that he has done in his brief time as a head coach are impressive. You know he's uh, he's. He went five and five in the 10 game SEC schedule last year. Like that's pretty solid. You know, he's uh, he was one and zero against the SEC as the Appalachian state head coach. So, you know, he's doing fine. And, uh, and I I think he's really revamped recruiting at Mizzou. So there's a chance he climbs those rankings uh, in the next few years, but he's got to prove it with wins this fall first, you know? So real quick, Tyler, I'm going to follow up on that because I feel like again, Mizzou, it just, it, it literally sits geographically just, away from everyone else and doesn't get nearly enough attention as it should, except for, you know, the few years where they, they literally had to go like 13 and one for anyone to pay attention to them. Um, and those were historically bad seasons for every other team in the country. Of course. So of that's course. only the reason it happened. Yeah. Um, but like his personality, he, he came in and I was guilty of it. Like when we would make like, you know, like memes or graphics and stuff like that, like he looks kind of nerdy. He's hilarious. He's got an incredible personality. I think he's got like the right personality for Mizzou, like like where like a fan base and like a team will match their coach's personality. He's done an incredibly good job to come in, especially after you know. I know like Odom was there for several years, but like having to to come in after um. Oh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? The Gary wine. Pinkle. Yes, Gary Pinkle, the guy who <laughs> loved wine. Yes. Uh, but like he's he's already been able to have a huge impact in a, in a place where we've seen no offense a lot of empty seats over the past couple of years. Like, are they going to return this to how you remember it? I, I remember it like in like 2007, that kind of, that kind of season where it's like just a raucous environment and everyone's into it. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the stadium capacity used to be, I mean, I know the stadium capacity, well, before the South End Zone re- renovation was like 72,001 because like it was that every single game that like I went to mm-hmm. for my last couple of years at Mizzou and my first year too with uh, Chase Daniel there. Um, but yeah, like I think that, I think that he can do it. I mean, if you give like, you know, the basketball program has had a lot of empty seats too, but again, back when I was there, when right. they were winning the big 12 Phil that one year and Phil Pressey and Damari Carroll, you know, the, the last couple of years of Mike Anderson, first couple of years of Frank Haith before Frank Haith ruined the program. <laughs> but uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a different podcast. But, you know, Mizzou fans will show up when you give them something to root for. They're not going right. to they're not going to be like the Chicago Cubs fans and like fill the bleachers when when you have like the lovable losers moniker. You know, they're yeah. they're not going to root for a loser. You know, they want excitement. They want value so they're fair weather fans yeah i get it it's like i mean yeah but like like yeah to an extent they are you give them something good to watch and they'll come and watch it and uh if drinkwitz is going to give them something good to watch they're not going to have any problems selling tickets and i i I guarantee that they'll get they'll get that place full again if mizzou is competitive and they're challenging for the title it's fucking cold up there and it seems like it rains a lot. You guys have 11 a.m. games. Like, I, like I'm not going out there to watch like a, a 13 to seven game against Florida and that. It's awful. Can I say that I like the 11 a.m. games? Oh Jesus! Why? Because then you get the football game out of the way, and then the rest of the days for drinking. Like you, you can celebrate when you win, which we did plenty of. And uh, right. And, and like, of course, you know, my favorite game was obviously a late game because that. And when I was there, they beat number one Oklahoma. Yeah. That was a late game. That was the primetime game. But, uh, you know, like, I, I don't mind the early games, especially, like, you know, when we would have, like, a Baylor come to town or something, and they weren't good back then. So it was like, yeah, that's 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 fine. Let's get the let's get the game. And I'd rather post-game a win than, like, right. than pre-game a loss. Well, and people don't realize this either. Like, one of the – people in Missouri drink, like, from a very early age. <laughs> and one of, I remember hearing this from several people and like when they were coming to the SEC and I, I was like um, a bigger douchebag then than I am now. And I was like, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about coming to the SEC, dude? And I was like, it sucks. You guys have all these stupid, stupid rules and there's not a pass out gate. And I didn't even know what a pass out gate was, but apparently that was like one of the big uh, frustrations that they came to the league because not only were they four and eight in year one, you couldn't even go out at halftime and drink. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we like to party, um, but I don't mind, I don't mind the 11 a.m. games. Um, and, but yeah, again, just to go back to your main point, like give the, give the fans something to root for. They'll mm-hmm. show up. It'll be a great environment. And, uh, and I think that throw field is underrated. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm sure they weren't showing up last year to watch the defense. Uh, defense was not good. Uh, Historically bad. <laughs> depth was an issue last year they just got worse and worse down the stretch as they got more worn out uh the last three games they allowed 50 points a game so they were not good at turning opponents over they were last in the sec one of the worst in the in the nation um you know susceptible to the big play in the air obviously they lose one of the best linebackers in the nation two-time all-american nick bolton uh, they do get some intriguing transfers in, um, and their defensive line has some really good returning talent. They they obviously bring in the new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, former NFL head coach, to run the defense. Um, I've always said, and I'm not like breaking news here, but one of the formulas for success in football outside of having a, a good QB is playing well in the trenches. Mm-hmm. So 
I would imagine, you know, the story for Mizzou starts on the D-line this year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, when you cross the goal line, you get six points. And, when and then a woman it. comes to kind of kick a field goal, from what I learned. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> no place and for then, that in my sport. God, don't say that. <laughs> and, then, and, then when you, and then when you stop teams from scoring points, like you said, they average 50 points a game against Mizzou's defense. But, uh, like, yeah, they were worn out. And uh, the depth is going to be an issue again this year. That's the big concern is that, you know, they have – like their starters are all sec caliber it's like what happens if a if a guy or two goes down and what happens if uh you know they just get worn out again as the grueling season goes on it's uh those are the those are the big issues again this year but yeah the we start with the defensive line uh trajan jeffco is an all sec first team selection from last year he's gonna come in uh and then kobe whiteside is like he he's real good he played a few games last year, but he was like maybe 50% of his 2019 self and his 2019 self was uh, really fucking good. So he's going to Love be, it. he's going to be, if he's fully healthy, I'm excited to see him play this year. And uh, I, I think that this just having him clog up the middle there along with uh, Akil Byers is going to be, a really good tackle tandem. Uh, Steve yeah. Wilkes runs a four, three, but uh, he also during his one year as a head coach with the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL, like his defenses were in base formation, like the least of any team in the league. So he's going to show you lots of looks and uh, that's good because they're going to have to hide their, their linebacking core a little bit. Uh, they have uh, some depth issues there. They have uh, Devin Nicholson, who's, probably going to come in and uh, play a bigger role. He was second on the team in tackles last year. Um, and then Blaze Aldridge. the Yes, one of my favorite players. names. Fantastic yes. One of my name. favorite haircuts. And they gave him the number 25 jersey, which is uh, which is a significant one at Mizzou. Um, oh, everyone knows that, yeah. <laughs> it's the Aaron O'Neill jersey, and he was a former player who who died. So they uh, they give that to, like, a, a captain of the defense, and uh, Aldridge has apparently earned that. So, like well, – I, I regret that, saying that. <laughs> so that, to me, was a, was a really good sign because that's, like – they have a lot of confidence in this guy, and we they need to have a lot of confidence in him because he's going to have to pick up some of that slack yeah. from Bolton. But I do think that uh, – that, I, I'm really hoping that Wilkes' schemes are going to um, in his different looks that he shows and moving around some guys uh, is going to help more than uh, Ryan Walters schemes did last year. Cause, cause like I said, like, and they brought in, you know, a Caleb Evans, they brought in Allie green, the fourth, they brought, they still have uh Martez manual in the secondary. He's a captain of the team this year. Uh, so they have the talent Ennis Rakestraw jr. Is another corner. So they that have three, good. Yeah, they have three really good corners now. Uh, Rake Straw, real quick, you know, just know him as a, is the guy that, like, have you ever seen the video of, of uh, yes. what do you call it, Drinkwitz, like, going crazy? I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, like, I'm sure a lot of our listeners might not know who it is, but Mizzou got him over Texas and Bama. Those were the only other two teams he was considering, and they had both offered. And, and I, I, it was a, a pretty big shock, right? It was, it was a huge get. I mean, that's a picture that I like to use on articles yeah. when Mizzou gets a, gets a commit because Drinkwitz was like, yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the photo. So uh, I, I like using that picture. But, uh, yeah, he was pumped, and uh, he should have been. And, and now we're seeing, like, like Rake Straw's good. Uh, yep. So he's, he's probably their top corner. Uh, Caleb Evans has the 
has the ability to be uh, maybe a day two or early day three draft pick. You know, uh, Allie Green, the fourth, he is he's a solid player from Tulsa, too. Like, they just brought over the Tulsa secondary, basically. They're two corners and their defensive backs coach. So, uh, you know, I, I just I think that the new staff is going to help more. And uh, they've got, again, like, they've got the talent. They've got the talent as starters on defense. It's just how much depth can they develop? How much, how many of these new guys that are coming in as freshmen can contribute right away? That's going to be the key. Well, and yeah, there's nowhere to go but up too. So my bad. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. That's yeah. true. And I was going to say, you know, if, if you ever get a chance to fucking raid Tulsa's secondary you after the one it. good player left, you gotta definitely do it. Do it. No, no, I've actually, to, but, but for real though, I've heard that a Caleb Evans kid is, uh, was actually a pretty good pickup from Mizzou. And I was looking at his finalists when he transferred. I mean, he, he picked Mizzou over Notre Dame and Texas among a couple of others, Jackson state coach prime <laughs> called coach right. prime. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he could be, end up being a, a pretty under the radar pickup that works out really well for, for Mizzou this year. So what are the coaches trying to do just leading up to the season starting to, to give the, the secondary more help? Because like I said, in the opening, when talking about the defense, I mean, they were, they got abused through the air quite, quite regularly. Um, is it as much as just getting a better pass rush or is it bringing in some of these transfers that'll, that'll help or is the scheme uh more of a fit for you know helping corners out or are you not any good <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't i don't know what the scheme looks like necessarily just yet i just know you know he's gonna show us a lot of different looks so we'll see you know what he does with that but i do think that that's gonna help you know he's never been a coordinator at the college level before so you know, does he switch up? Some of, I'm sure all of Mizzou's opponents have studied what his defensives have done in the NFL. But uh, you know, is he going? How much is he going to switch that up? And uh, yeah, I think Kobe Whiteside again is huge. Um, I think that they're going to use Jeff Coat in a lot of different ways this year. Not just lining him up on the outside. They might stunt him a little bit. They might, uh, you know, have him almost as like a as like a three, four outside linebacker at various times. And, uh, you know, I think that they can rotate through. Um, I think that they'll keep five defensive backs on the field at most times because the secondary went from the defense's biggest weakness to uh, perhaps it's uh, a strength uh, after they raided Tulsa. So I, uh, I, I think that there's plenty of optimism there. I just don't know exactly what it's going to look like until we see it on the field. And, uh, and uh, you know, they'll be tested in week two against Kentucky. And uh, how's that for a transition? <laughs> yeah. before, we, before we get to Kentucky, um, I, I agree, by the way. I, I would say, and it sounds like this is, you'd probably agree, that's probably the most important game on the schedule for Missouri to really feel like they're, you know, advancing and, and hitting their goals for the season. I would say Kentucky is probably the biggest uh, you know, reasonable game to pick on the schedule. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, week two in Kentucky, it's at it's at Kentucky, so that's huge. You know, they got to show that they can win these sorts of games on the road. And then, uh, you know, speaking of that, I think that week four at Boston College is like a sneaky game there too. Yes. You know, that's uh, yeah, that sucks. That's the kind of game that the Tigers have lost in years past you'll remember 2019 when they inexplicably lost at wyoming and then rattled off like seven straight wins and it's like they could have been like eight no it's the one year you guys didn't open up the directional state school from missouri and then that's what happens 
right? So, I mean, you know, I'm not taking Central Michigan for granted uh, in week one. They've got a lot of returning talent. They've got a coach who uh, coached with some level of success for a couple of years in uh, Florida and Jim McElwain. He fucked that shark and then everything went to shit. <laughs> and, then went, and everything went to hell. But, uh, you know, he no sharks in Central Michigan. Yeah, um, how to get away from the ocean. Yeah. Um, over under is seven. Uh, the over, the juice is on the over minus 125. Under is plus 100. Hold on, because um, he's going to pick the over because okay. it's Adam. And I respect that. All right. So well, in addition why don't we to that, give us, it? well, yes, fair, <laughs> but I was going to say, in addition to give us, like, Bazoo, I feel like very consistently has one big upset, it seems like almost every year. Like, like, like somebody they knock off, you look at LSU last year. I, I still remember the 2013 UGA game, um, mainly because I picked it in the blog that I used to have that no one read at the time, and I'm still proud of it. Who like what? What do you think their record is realistically? Regular season, you can go with bowl or whatever. But give us a game that you think they're you're confident that they're going to win that no one else is confident in. Uh, you know, I think that the Florida game is one that they can win. I, I'll mm-hmm. like I'll say like I will talk about this a little bit with Kentucky, but I I don't necessarily think that the winner of the Mizzou Kentucky Week Two game is automatically settling for third place in the east i i First. think that i think that <laughs> no second uh I, I think that they'll end up at third uh but either of those teams do have the potential to beat florida i think i think florida is going to take a little step back this year you know you're replacing two top 10 heisman finalists and another first round pick on the offense i just think it's silly to think that emory jones is going to come in and just lighted up in his first year as a starter right. with uh, without a reliable tight end and i think that you know they're gonna have but anyway i think that they can beat florida i they that game is in columbia it's in november drinkwitz joked that he's uh that he's gonna pray for snow in that game and uh and and dan mullen's gonna complain about everything anyway which is true those two don't like each other and i like that so uh does I, anyone I, like oh. it <laughs> so that i forgot about that that's the game last year where mullen lost his fucking mind and started yeah. like wwe what was that yeah i i mean it, it was a it was a dirty hit by jeff code at the end of the half on kyle trask but then like like you're supposed to be like a leader of men dan you're wearing khakis you're dan doing? like you're you're like you're like like screaming at officials like doing the whole like hold me back thing like it's like <laughs> i don't know i i thought that was weird and just and Drinkwitz hasn't let it go, and I, I love that. I want that. I want all that smoke from from the Gators. So, yeah. uh, so I, I think that that's going to be a really intense game, and I think that like Mizzou has a chance, especially if those other games early. And like if they lose at Kentucky, if they lose at mm-hmm. Boston College, well, they're going to get killed by Florida. But like if they're playing for second place in the East in that game, watch out. Like I think that's going to be intense. Yeah, I you know I like to break down the the schedule into likely or guaranteed wins, likely losses, and then your toss-ups where that's really where the the win total starts to be in question. So obviously Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri State, North Texas at Vandy, I think are in the likely category. Likely losses at Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M. I will say a couple things about those games, though. At Georgia, you basically have two weeks to prepare for that. You have a bye week, and then you have Vandy. So... I don't know. I, I'm not saying that's probably the least likely of these Florida. I agree with you. Where's Florida, Florida mentally at the end of the year. That's the second to last game of the year. If they're out of the sec East race to, you know, sleepy 11 AM game. 
out in Colombia. Like it's happened before, if I can recall, or at least came close to right a couple of years ago. Well, they beat him a couple times uh, when to end the Jim McElwain era. So yeah. So and then and then I we did a our last podcast was previewing Texas A and M. You guys play them right after they're coming off of Bama. And so I could look at it both ways and see how that could be a trap game for them because they're going to be undefeated going into Bama. They're either going to lose that game, which they're favored to lose, and what mindset do they have going into the next very next week, you know, on the road, right, at, at Columbia, or they win that game and, you know, they have a letdown game the very next day or so very next week. Either way, if you guys beat them, it wasn't going to be because you were the better team, just so you yeah, understand. It's just that. a historically Historic. bad, it was a historically bad spot for them. Right, exactly. right, exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I'll take it though. I, I do think, you know, you're right that they've got those two toughest games on their schedule, in my opinion, are, you know, that Texas A&M game and at Georgia. And you're right, they do have some breaks with the schedule. But, uh, you know, again, it just all comes back to that week two game at Kentucky because if they win that, they're, riding high if they lose that like i could see things spiraling into some losses that like it's like why did why did they lose that game right. so you know i i just i think that the, a lot is riding on that but uh you know if Bazelak takes a step forward if mookie cooper's at as advertised if the defense can stay healthy yeah that's these are all games that they should at least have a shot to win and uh you know they should be competitive and uh, if you can keep it within a touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter then anything can happen so if it field magic if seven is the most likely amount of wins what's next six or eight eight Ooh. eight for sure <laughs> it is like like, like there's three like there's three like like tough games there's texas a&m georgia i could i predicted that they'll lose to florida i i think they can win that game i predict that they oh, will lose already that. But that's nine and three right there. So, like, they still have a, an inexplicable loss that they can pick up and uh, and still hit eight and four. So I'm I'm pretty confident. You covered in everything. Eight wins. Yeah. What, uh, Chris? Are you going over or under on on Missouri? So, I I think they lose to Boston College. I just hate like like BC was good last year. They were fine. They, they played Clemson really close. They have a, a, a quarterback that has an uncomfortable amount of V's and C's in his last name. Like he's, he sounds like a lottery pick from like Yugoslavia. And so like they're, they're good. They're like a good football team. And I just, I, there's nothing about going to Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts to play a game in 2021 that gets, gets me excited. So I feel like that's, that's a bad spot for them. Um, I think they push. I, 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 I mean, they could be really good. But it's with like having a new DC, hopefully that improved, but there's just a lot of question marks in the defense. And I'm really upset. Also, we haven't talked for a single second about the fattest ass kicker in the country, Harrison Melvis. Mevis. Mevis. <laughs> Harrison Roundtree. Drinkwitz. Yeah. That so just an incredible name, first off. Like Harrison Mevis. Yeah. Just yeah. dripping with swag right off the bat. It's the only position he could be playing with that yeah. name is kicker. Absolutely. The, the, the thicker kicker is what we call him. The thicker uh, kicker. Have you seen a picture of him? Tyler, I'm not trying to no, like, this I, is, I've I remember the is he bigger than the Georgia Tech punter? He but he's like solid. Like like delete your search chair for this, but like just search Harrison Mevis fat ass. <laughs> PH PH, so it's real. It's or incredible. With two C's, you know. Also true. Um, okay. 
real quick, as we, we're going to close out here with some, um, some stuff. I feel like people don't know a lot about Missouri. Um, so we're going to just do some, some quick Q and a, so you can fill our listeners in on why Missouri is a great place or why it's not either way. Um, and, and, and talk about some of the traditions. And so people can be more familiar with Missouri. We'll start with, um, why, why do you call it Missouri? Because I you don't. hate vowels? I, I don't. Uh, nobody, like very few people under the age of 40 call it Missouri. That's like, it's, I yeah. think, I think that's getting phased out. So that's good. I feel like <laughs> everyone that ever called it Missouri was also named Joan. <laughs> Seems like to be very fitting. Um, okay. I made fun of this uh, from like a very ignorant standpoint because I didn't know what I was talking about, but I thought it was funny. The rocks in the end zone. Do people sit on them? Because that doesn't seem like something I would like to do for three and a half hours. Uh, you can. I mean, sometimes th- those were the only seats left in uh, sure. back when I was there. I mean, I know that the, there's plenty of more comfortable seating options now because they're not filling the stadium as much. But uh, you can sit on them. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, the, the atmosphere for a Mizzou game, like, like when it's like actually rocking. I'm, I'm talking about like 2007, Oklahoma. Um, you guys, like, you guys had some incredible, incredible games, especially during, like, that little stretch. Favorite game you ever, you ever been to or watched, and why is it the fifth down? I did not go to that game. Uh, and to me, like, that was a little bit before my time as a Mizzou fan. Um, 1991? How old are you? I was born in 1990. Jesus Christ. Um, so, uh, like to me, the the loss to Kentucky on the untimed down a couple of years ago was way worse because that was I, tough. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, the best game was absolutely that upset of number one Oklahoma. You know, we stormed the field afterwards, but like from like the opening kickoff was uh, when John Cat McGaffey. Uh, I should know this. He spells John G A H N though. I can tell you that. Uh, what? He, he, yeah, right. G. He, wait, wait. Hold on. Did you what? say G? G A H N. Oh, okay. God. First off, you don't say he spells John this way. Like he spells it. That's wrong. That's just like what G. That is not okay. John McGaffey. Do you write uh, it in Cran? <laughs> and he ran. He ran the opening kickoff back against Oklahoma for a touchdown, and like the place just exploded like it was awesome college game day was there that day so like yeah. you know, my roommates and i were running on very little sleep um but it, it was it was it was an incredible game the worst game was when uh in dominican sue in nebraska oh, and, God, yeah uh, and injured blake blaine gabbert in like just the worst rainstorm i've ever been outside and it was miserable that was like a really low scoring game wasn't it yeah i mean they could <sighs> you could barely see the field from the stands because right. it was meaning so hard again sounds like a lovely environment um <laughs> so um uh, fill us in on on like I, I feel like you're like me and a lot of times where you um one of your favorite pastimes is to argue on twitter uh with people who disrespect your team so what i'm asking is like the i hate cliche shit talk like i hate when people say stuff like about Bama, like fa- like fucking their cousins because like if you're from arkansas you can't say that because right. chances are you know what's what's coming next. So, like, what's your least favorite thing people say about Missouri, and what's your the cousin. one? What's the one thing? Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but you, 
Um, what's what is the what is the fan base that has not like not that you hate you don't have to attack it but like that has driven you the most like crazy or the craziest like since you've become an SC fan because like just very unaware of the fact that you guys have been very consistently good and and they might not have been. So I'm gonna have to go with Arkansas here. Like I love Arkansas basketball fans, mm-hmm. but like Arkansas football, it's like like just the whole arguing and you're trying to argue, you're arguing so intensely that this is not a rivalry. And like like we on the Missouri side will be like, okay, you don't want to consider it a rivalry? Like you're right. Like Mizzou has won the past five games, so you're not really holding up your end of the oh, rivalry. Burn. But like then also like Arkansas fans. Uh, you know, some of them, some Arkansas fans are great. I, I I have nothing against the fan base as a whole, but there's a lot of like, oh, all you methed out hillbillies. And it's like, like, wait, what? You, like, you're like, Again, we, share the lake. State. We, we share the lake of the Ozarks. Like, it, we're, we're both the meth capitals of the U.S. Like, you're, <laughs> like, we're, like, like I'll admit. But you a put lot that on us, okay? Yeah, there's like, both <laughs> of us. There's a lot of meth that comes out of the Missouri area, but like there's plenty of it that comes out of the Arkansas side too. So like let's not like let's and not that's a good use point. that as like a troll of some sort, you know. That leads me to my next question. Um like which which team or which quarterback in the SEC this year you think would be the best at making meth? <laughs> no, that's um no, we appreciate you uh filling us in on some of those um what do you call it? Some traditions. I like, I've, I've always enjoyed going to, to Missouri games because it's a very, the fan base is not like, they're all smarter than most sec fans. Like, and I'm, I'm genuinely saying that. So they're a lot more rational to be around and it's not like an elitist. Like I'm going to wear a sweater over my shoulder type elitist, but it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun time. Uh, I don't we like, know, we know where we stand. Like we, we know we're not a elite sec program. We're not trying to argue that we just want, to be like, guys, like we're a middle of the road SEC program, and like, so yeah. quit trying to kick us out. Like, <laughs> you, fair enough. You, you need us. Agreed. Um, okay, so seamless transition. We're going to talk about Kentucky. <laughs> They're actually third in the meth capital ranking, so we're going to just yeah. we're going to go down there now. Yeah, five and six last year, so uh, pretty similar year. Um, they could have a significantly different looking team this year when it comes to offense uh they got rid of eddie grand um they brought in uh a guy from the Rams. i guess he's from the lord of the rings liam cohen <laughs> uh <laughs> now nah, he he's uh they're trying to create some of that mcveigh magic which at this point it just kind of feels like every team in the league is trying to be like hey this guy worked for mcveigh four years ago he was an assistant qb coach uh, let's have him come run the offense. But this guy seems to have pretty good credentials. Um, Kentucky last year didn't really beat many teams with the pulse. Um, their wins were Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy, South Carolina, and then NC State in the bowl. Um, so we'll start on offense. Uh, the, the news actually came out today that Will Levis was named the starter. Um, so, of course, that means Joey Gatewood's in the portal again. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so Sean McVay has the, like a similar coaching tree to like Nick Saban, but without Jesus any Christ. of the success, like he, everybody's hiring McVay. Like I don't McVay, McVay is 34. Right. Like I don't, <laughs> he, went, he like, went to St. Pi, he went to like the same middle school system as me and he's younger than me. Right. But like everybody is hiring every assistant that he's ever had. And I don't, I don't understand it. It's not like, yeah. he, like, it's not like he's. Remember, he almost won the Super Bowl. He almost won the Super Bowl. He the Super scored Bowl. ten points. Yeah, but uh, 
But yeah, first, uh, I told Marler I was going to talk about this. Did you see the video today of that surfaced of Will Levis eating a banana? I had it pulled up. I'm so glad that you're bringing it up. I've heard about it. I have not watched it. It's psychopath yeah, it's really... shit. Absolute yeah, like, psychopath shit. Yes. What does he like, do to it? Like, is it like, is that kind of hot? If you, if you can <laughs> let me, sh- if you, if you let me share my screen, I'll, I'll play it on here. Well, you, I don't know how to do any of this for the, like the video on YouTube later, but go ahead. It is, it is. Disgusting. How do you spell Levis? Is it G-A-H-N? Yes. Okay. I'm, I can't share my screen. You have to allow it. And I don't, I don't think that that could take till tomorrow. So <laughs> you, Tyler. it's been a very rough week. Um, so yeah, I don't know how to it, go ahead. He eats it peel and all. He doesn't. Yeah. He, he doesn't take, the I'm peel sorry. What? And he just, he doesn't open it. He just eats it. He just, he just takes a banana and just like, just, just eats it. Bites it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. I, I, but same. there's not a reason to do that. No, there's no zero reason to do it. Unless hold on. Like yeah, watch this. It was like it was like trying to be like a look how like like the the caption was like I don't fear the brown spots on bananas. They hey man, that's people. not a thing. That's no no one's ever brought that up. Like, <laughs> don't worry, guys. QB one isn't scared of of, of molding fruit. <laughs> so okay, while well, you're bringing while well, you're bringing that up, uh, Cohen's trying to bring more balance. Uh, Kentucky at least for the last few years has been, let's just hand it off three times. Hope we get a first down. If not, let's just punt. Uh, they've always implemented running QBs. Uh, so passing stats have just not been there. They connected on four plays of 30 or more yards through the air last year. Four. That, that is like Wait, what? Indescri- indescribably yep. bad. <laughs> like you would think that just some of them would happen by accident, but right. Like, I don't know. Like it, it looks like they're going to do, some more through the air this year. I mean, they've had they have Josh Ali coming back. I, I like him. I think he's a a solid receiver. And then uh, you know they have Wandale Robinson coming over. Wandale and uh, and like he's going to be an exciting player. He's going to be one of the better receivers that they've had since they forced Lynn Bowden to play quarterback. So uh, you know we'll see if Wandale. Well, thank God they did. But uh, you know I don't know. But Will Levis, uh, you know I think he's going to be more of a traditional passing quarterback. I don't think he brings, you know, he obviously doesn't bring the same running chops as a Bowden or a, or a, uh, or a uh, uh, t- Terry Wilson, um, neighbor, Terry Wilson, or neighbor, Terry, but uh, yeah. So, so they're going to have to just by nature of that be more uh, air heavy this year. But I do think that, uh, you know, you, they can still, get plenty of first downs by just handing it off three times because they have Chris Rodriguez. You only yeah. need to hand it off. Statistically speaking, you only need to hand it off to him twice right. in a row to get a first down because he averaged like six yards per carry last year or something. So he's yeah. 6.9, 6.93 in, in conference games. Like this is like yeah. 7.1 overall, but like they also have Fosse smoke still. Yeah. I think Aaron Rose or, or um, is it seam Rose? So AJ, AJ Rose. He's on the Vikings. Yeah. He had a nice preseason. Glad yeah, I brought I watched, that up. Damn it. I watched way too much preseason football this past weekend same love it um no but like you know one of the storylines i've loved with kentucky over the past couple of years is they're like the level of mizzou like people like they they are constantly dismissed very early on and, and not considered to be like a threat but like people actually pull for them whereas most people hate mizzou for some reason i don't know why like kentucky though has developed over the past i guess year two or three years like it's just now it's a well-known fact that Kentucky is going to have one of the best offensive lines in the SEC and they've done it again. So you have um, 
like four guys returning up front, some like first round talent as well. And then you have a stable of backs like that. I will say that I remember watching um, uh, Levis like when he was a recruit for Penn State. I didn't know it was the same guy until I saw the video today. He has one of the quickest releases I've seen in in a very long time. I haven't watched that much tape. I'll be honest, guys. But still, with the t- amount of tape I've watched, um, very quick release. And so it, I think, like, very, very similar to like Mizzou having a transfer receiver from like a big time program. Um, I, I don't. Do you think that this is something that like, the ceiling is always going to be where it's at with Mark Stoops? Is it? Is it always going to be seven games and like once every forty years they get to ten? But it, it feels like they are the most consistent seven and five team ever. Yeah, and I, mean, I think that that's probably the the expectation for them. I think that, you know, it, it, it all depends. Like, I don't know exactly how they're going to be able to execute Liam Cohen's offense. Uh, but, you know, when you have an offensive line like that, and they brought in uh, Rosenthal, the transfer from LSU, too, to add to that mix. So I think that they could have one of the best offensive lines in the SEC again. And so, like, as long as you have some sort of crea- creativity on offense and if you can get to double digits of uh, – of 30 yard play you just watch the video there's no reason to eat this banana <laughs> it's fucking the unless you're making banana bread what are we doing i don't like this at all i, I don't yeah, bring so, back terry wilson now this is the end of the preview that we're going under yeah hammer the under like, <laughs> i just you know if you're a division one college athlete that's also qb1 at an sec school there's not a lot of reasons to even flex on social media. Cause like, you know, you just already have that kind of confidence and people probably respect you. I just, I don't think my power move or alpha move would be going to get a near rotten banana and eating it whole. Yeah. I, I, it's a tough. Look, I'm watching it again though. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. the offense, you know, we'll see, we'll see how much it changes. Should be interesting. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you have a guy – I had Chris Rodriguez as my number two running back in my SEC rankings behind uh, Tank Bigsby. Um, and I just like Tank Bigsby because he's working with Mike Bobo, who, who, uh, ha- who had Kevin Harris have such a great year last year. So, I, you know, I, but, you know, there's a chance Chris Rodriguez leads the – like, I think – You could also make the comment that maybe uh, Kevin Harris should have just also been ranked up there since he – He's number he four. He's number four. I think that's fair. Uh, but uh, no, I think, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with Chris Rodriguez, I think he's only going to be helped by a stronger running game. You yeah. Face fewer stacked boxes and, uh, you know, he's going to have hopefully a little bit more room to run. So, uh, so I'm excited for what he can do this year too. Um, just, and I think he's still going to be the focal point of the offense because, you know, why not when you have right. a guy like that? I love he the was, fact too that like real quick that like Stoops talked about in the spring with this, which it was like, it was like this very like, no big deal. We learned how to pass. Like, yeah, everyone's been doing it, man, for like sixty years. So I'm I'm excited. I feel like they are viewing this as like a Shohei Otani type thing, where it's like, dude, we can do it all now. We can do everything. It's like, well, yeah, everyone's doing that though. Right. So I I'm excited to see it. Um, I will be very surprised if they are just night and day difference on offense. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to become like the SEC's. I don't even think they're going to become like a top three offense. I think they'll stick to what they do pretty well. I think they'll be a top three rushing offense. But uh, right. I think the passing game is going to take a little bit of more time to develop. Like you've got to you've got to figure out how to get like more 
top receivers in there now, and you've got to show that you're willing to throw the ball every now and then. <laughs> so yeah. It's going to be, this is going to be a year that now they can put that on tape and like show that to recruits and be like, Hey, come catch the ball here. Cause we're in the, we're in we the, did it, dude. we're in we the did 20th it. century now. And we know it's the 21st century, but we're in the 20th century now. We'll, we're we'll giving out cars and not bus passes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I, I am excited for their potential there though. I think maybe where you'll see a difference unless it's just a stoops philosophy is the tempo. They're the slowest team in the country. Um, or third slowest in the, in the in the country, obviously slowest in the SEC. Um, their games must have gone in like two hours, considering they have the that slowest tempo, game. and then they 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 all they do is run the ball. Um, so you know it, it works when you're a team who traditionally has a pretty good defense, and you kind of have to slow the game down because you might not be able to keep up with the firepower on offense. Um, so it should be interesting to see if they change their philosophy on that or not. Speaking of the defense, um, you know, they they replace seven starters on defense. It's going to be a pretty interesting transition year, I think. Typically, they're known for physical defense, really smart secondary. Stoops is a, is a DB guy. Usually, they have a pretty good pass rush. But last year, um, and maybe it was because the offense was just so bad that they it just made their defense worse. But the pass rush was definitely a problem for them last year. Even though they had some really good players, they had some some guys go early in the draft. Um, it wasn't the typical Kentucky defense we're used to seeing. Um, turnover margin, they were they were top five in the country, but that's as we've seen studies, pretty much a, a luck based statistic. Right. So had they not had that, they must they might have been even worse on defense. So um, I don't know where where do you want to start the uh, preview for their defense. I want to start with what everybody's talking about because, like, as you broke down there, like, there's no reason to necessarily think that this is going to be a good defense this year. But everybody just seems to pencil in Kentucky. They're like, yeah, Kentucky's going to have a solid defense. It's like, are we sure about that? Like, that's like, I, I'm not, like, I'm not buying it. Like, like they got a revamped secondary to a certain extent. You know, Yusuf Corker is a really good player, but like, I don't know that they have the depth that they used to there, you know, they're going to be relying a lot on a uh, uh, Jacquez Jones who came over from Ole Miss. And it's like, okay. Um, did we watch Ole Miss's defense? Like, yeah, he, he, <laughs> Jesus. he led the team in tackles, but like, yeah, that's just because he made a few. He also like, led the country in missed tackles. That yeah. defense. <laughs> so it's like, like, I'm not like, I think that they're going to have a very similar problem to Mizzou. Like you have, some good players on that defense but like you don't have any depth really unless some of these unproven players turn out to be absolute studs and that and yeah like like you said the turnover thing changes year to year like there's a chance that Mizzou finishes top five in turnover margin and Kentucky finishes bottom five in turnover margin yeah they were opposite last year yeah so you know I I think which is weird because we've been saying how similar they are the whole time guys oh my gosh isn't that weird so weird but (laughs) Yeah, I just I just think that there's a chance that this the defense regresses quite a bit this year, and uh, you know they could they could be fine. They could regress quite a bit, and if they regress quite a bit, then like even seven and five might be a struggle for this team. So I just think that it's not like I, I just hear a lot of people just penciling in Kentucky as having a good defense, and I think it's fair to ask questions about it, considering that they went five and six last year, and uh, you know again like like. My biggest problem with the Josh Heupel era when he was the offensive coordinator at Missouri was, yeah, the offense put up numbers, but you also screwed your defense yeah. by 
having him on the field for 40 minutes a game. So like, what's to say like now that if Kentucky is passing the ball, they're going to have some, they're not going to have the time of possession that they used to have. So the defense is going to be on the field more. And I think that that's an underrated thing that could hurt the defense more this year. So, you know, I I think that there's going to be a lot of stress on, on that side of the ball in Kentucky. Yeah, and I just, you know, their pass rush struggled last year, and I don't see where it gets better. I mean, they, they lost a couple late-round picks on the yeah. line. Um, they do return Josh Pascal, um, who's probably the most talented guy they have, but uh, he, he had injuries last season that took a toll on his Ooh. season. And then, you know, they had J.J. Weaver, who is kind of a wild card. He tore his ACL against Florida last year. It sounds like he's coming along, but they need him to be healthy. Um, you lost, you know, uh, Boogie Watson and, and Jamin Davis who was the first round pick. Um, you know, so again, you, you, you return, uh, Deandre square, but then you bring in the kid Jacquez Jones, who you made a great point. Number one tackler on like the worst defense in the country is, is probably not like that big of a pickup. So, but also I think like one of the reasons why, like, and you're like still valid in what you're saying. Like there's, yeah. there's definitely a reason for them to like, we say the same thing with Florida's offense. I've said with Bama's offense, like you, you losing generational talent. One of the things that Mark Soups did for the first time ever was, you know, he, I, I believe he had multiple first round picks. Was it, was it two this year or he had back to back? Like he's had more linebackers drafted in the last three drafts. Than they had in the previous eight years combined. And he's starting to get like more and more consistent with that. And so I, I think him being able to be a good, like, like developer of talent for sure. Um, and, and being able to get these like, underrated two and three star guys like Missouri's done for a long time and then, and then build them up has been really helpful. But like, I, I love Mark Soup's death. I don't know if there's a coach we make a, more excuses for, for being good with the record that he has. I, like we move mountains for him. And I, and I listen, he's a, I think he's a good coach and I love the death, but like last year was not, there was a lot of flaws in that team last year. They, and they were, they were really bad at times. So I, I, I don't know how big, like, it seems like they get a pass for going four and six during the 10 game regular season. And everybody is like, well, Drinkwitz lost to Mississippi state in the season. And it's just like, like, yeah, I don't I, think everybody's out to get Missouri either. I just want to that. They are in my, in my <laughs> world, everybody is out to get Missouri. So, uh, but um, no, you are right. They, they get the benefit of the doubt all the time. Like it's, yeah. it's like, they'll be back. I mean, like that 10 win season is going to carry them a long way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And beating Florida that one time um, is going to, last yeah. through the next losing streak to Florida. But again, like I said with Mizzou, I think that they have a chance to beat Florida this year because I think the Gators are going to take a step back. So so they have an interesting schedule. Um, mm-hmm. Their over-under is also seven. The, the juice is heavily on the over, uh, mm-hmm. minus 140. I thought it was under. No. It's, well, I was looking at... Um, I mean, you're probably right. Yeah, I was looking at it just today, but... Either way, um, I, I think it is on the over, and I understand why. You know, they open up like there's a there's a an outside chance. I mean, they could open up four and zero before that Florida game. You know, no offense to to Adam, but they could win oh, that that's game. A, that's a toss up game right now. That's a fifty fifty game, and we right two against. Kentucky. So you know, that's that's you're already over halfway to to it. And then if you look at the end of their season, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy, New Mexico State, Louisville, it's like. Okay, I could see them winning a majority of those games, but here's the problem. You have a three-game stretch of Florida LSU at Georgia. Not only are you not going to win any of those games, most likely, but 
you're going to get beat up. Those are three tough games um, against three of the better teams, the two best teams in your division. And then, you know, historically, uh, LSU is a, a very physical defense. We'll, we'll see where they're at this year, but what? Their schedule is. What are you, hold on. What are you talking about? What do you mean a physical defense? LSU is not a physical defense historically. They gave like 400 yards rushing to Ole Miss two years ago when they won the Natty. No. Okay. Coach okay. O's L- LSU is not a physical defense. I'm sorry. <laughs> they like they are good in the secondary. I don't. I don't think they're a physical defense. I mean, their their D line is not usually good. Their linebackers aren't usually. You good. know what, Tyler? I'll, just, I'll be honest. I've never seen them do much against my favorite team. So I just I'll throw that. Oh, out there. okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that's normal. Yeah, let's, let's walk into a fucking haka dance in Death Valley at night, and you get beat twenty nine nothing. I mean, you get dealt with. Let's so, just I'm compare everything to Bama. That that's smart. I, uh, I just I don't. But hold on. I don't think <laughs> anyway. I'm not going to argue this. I don't think they've had a, a historically physical defense. Okay. Well, they've got typically five star players that are uh, usually bigger than athletes that Kentucky are getting. So I think they'll get a little beat up in that game. Okay. That's all I mean. So the the end stretch yeah, there. It looks bad. easy on paper, but. You never know how you're going to come out of that three-game stretch. I'm actually going to go under on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think seven, obviously, is the most likely since that's their Vegas number, and Vegas seems to know what they're doing. But I think six is more likely than eight for them. Um, they don't, don't return a lot. Like, I mean, no, like- and, and I don't see them winning the first four games. Like we were, just, That's a that's a obviously pie-in-the-sky hypothetical, but I think Missouri could obviously beat them. And then South Carolina, I mean, we'll see where they're at, but it's on the road, so... You never know. Um, I, mean, I feel I like think, anytime you see a team that returns, like 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 a team like this of this stature, like you look at Arkansas, people are expecting like improvement, like partially because of what happened last year in their performance, but they return like nineteen starters, right? Like, yeah. If you see a team that returns only twelve starters, it's usually like a Bama, Georgia, or, or you know, a historically tough defense with LSU, and I, I, I just that's that's a, they replaced a lot. I mean, I yeah. I, I love that underpick. Yeah, so you I going mean, under I, as well? Yeah. I, yeah I you know why? Was, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I think the X factor for both these teams, in like more so for Kentucky than the Mizzou, but like in the East, is Tennessee. Because I don't think Tennessee's going to be good. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to like think that they're going to be competitive in a lot of games this year. But Vegas has that number at six. And I, that was fucking shocking to me. I, I, did, I did not expect that. So I think there are some people that are in like the belief that with like Hypo, you know, running like the offense, all that kind of stuff, they, they still have talent in some places. That seems like a stretch to me, but like we've seen it in the past. It's like in, in the year they won 10 games, they boat race Kentucky. So, you know, that's, that would be my, one of the reasons I'm picking the under. I was actually going to highlight that game too against Tennessee is one that they might lose. You know, we don't know what that, again, we don't know what that defense is going to look like. Everybody penciling in a good, like slow your, slow your roll a little bit. Uh, you know, let's see it in action. Let's see it in week two against Missouri. And uh, we'll go from there. Like, cause if they lose that game, they could lose to Tennessee. Like right. if they win that game, they could, they'll eat, if they win that game, I think that they hit the over. If they mm-hmm. lose that game, I think they hit the under, but I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to be optimistic on the zoo and say that they're, that, Kentucky is going to finish under. Um, but I do think, you know, like we've both agreed, I think that, uh, that seven is the most likely and Vegas knows what they're doing for a reason. So um, sure. you know, they make lots of money. 
They do. And I don't normally when I'm out there. So, exactly. uh, Chris, it's been great arguing with you about LSU's defense. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I really, I really took that one uh, personally. That was my bad. I don't, I don't know what that reaction was. <laughs> uh, Adam, we really appreciate you coming yeah, on, giving us some insight on both teams. Uh, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, Adam, yeah. got a promotion. That's right. I'm the news editor now. So, right. uh, so you know, wow. tune into all of our news coverage on Saturday Down South. Uh, I'm still the newsletter editor. So, uh, so follow uh, subscribe on the newsletter uh, real quick. Like, at, like uh, tell the audience what that is. Cause it's incredible. Yeah. So twice a week, uh, Monday and Thursday during the off season, during the season, it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, Saturday football newsletter, go to Saturday football to sign up and, uh, you'll get it right in your inbox and, uh, high quality stuff, some fun stuff and, uh, some, some breakdowns of some top. He's underselling and, it. It's like, I hate reading and it's, it's like a must read. It's, it's really, it's, it, I, I want to say like it's like lengthy, but it's incredibly informative, and it's it's a it's really it's really good. Yeah, jam packed with info, so check that out for sure. And uh, yeah, and uh, we're gearing up for the season now, so uh, so you know, tune in all week, not just on Saturdays down south, just every day down south. Love that. Oh, <laughs> hashtag love it. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening, and for Chris and Adam, I'm Tyler. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>